Dome Zone Nation, we made it. We made it through the season. Tough one for sure, but we have made it through the 2022 season. Dawson Eiserler with you, Mason Nunez. We're back, and uh, we're here to recap the season that was and kind of take a look forward to the future. But um, it was a tough one to get through, huh, Mason? Well, you know, things have certainly changed. I think we've changed our tune from how we felt in the preseason to, you know, where we are now. It was a tough season, and I, I don't think I've said this in a long time, but I'm happy to not have to watch the Saints again until September. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, so when you look at back at this season too, the funny thing I think is this team goes seven and 10. Uh, my record prediction was 10 and seven. Um, I believe you had them somewhere around 11 and six, somewhere around there. But like that seven to seven and 10 to 10 and seven range is where most of the NFL lives every year, you know? And so I think it's the little things that get you over the hump. Um, this Saints team, I don't know if they were ever a Super Bowl contending type roster, but I felt like they could have been a playoff roster if things would have went well. And they didn't. Um, they lost a lot of games that they shouldn't have, you know, and um, overall, that's kind of where they were. So, you know, it, the one thing I wanted to start with, too, is this team was one and zero, and it felt like, you know, things were going to happen. The Saints came back in a thrilling win over Atlanta after week one. And, you know, at, at that point, and we kind of talked about it, we felt like this team was where we thought they were or where we thought they were going to be. They played three bad quarters, but they came back and won a game in week one. And from there we were feeling great. Uh, and that would be the only time all season that the saints would be above 500 though, was at the one and zero mark. So how far we have fallen from the uh, highs of, of feeling like maybe this was, you know, just another saints team that was going to make a nice run. You know, it's, it's never a good sign when the peak of your team season is week one. <laughs> and it, it's it's really unfortunate, you know, and that's why they say, you know, you got good teams that win games and great teams that they streak into the playoffs. That That's what happens. They don't come a lot until a late season. And unfortunately, it's a comment that we made early, like I think middle of the season where it's, you know, winning solves everything. We should have seen the issues coming in week one and that, you know, defense played poor couldn't stop the run. The offense was just stagnant and we happened to come back and win the game. So winning solved it, you know, Hey, we have no problem. This team's great. Great teams come from behind all the time. Little did we know that was, you know, kind of foreshadowing of what the season was going to be. Yeah. And so let's kind of go through this season quickly here, just to recap. So you go one and zero, but then you lose a couple of games. The defense is what struggled early on. That just surprised me. This, this was supposed to be a dominant group. We talked about it. We felt like they were top 10, if not top five heading in. And you, you brought in Marcus May and Tyron Matthew to kind of shore up the secondary where you had guys who had left. You traded away CJ Gardner Johnson before the season. And the defense just wasn't very good early on. Um, those guys who you signed weren't great. They weren't always healthy. And things just didn't work out on that side of the ball. Offensively, you were okay, but you were still inconsistent. You needed the defense to kind of carry you through. We knew that was going to be the case, and they just didn't deliver. Injuries were certainly a factor, um, especially later on in the season as guys like Marshawn Lattimore, Pete Werner went down. But um, I just was disappointed with that defense early on in the season because I had such high expectations going in. Well, the defense that it's been esteemed for years, you know, the unstoppable Saints rush defense, you know, and they couldn't stop a nosebleed early in the season. I mean, it was horrible. I think Atlantic asked us for 200 in week one, um, which, you know, that story continued on for quite some time. 
the defense, it was shocking early in the season to see them just really get picked apart. That's unlike the Saints, even in years where we just haven't been, you know, that great of a team. But it almost got, kind of gave me trauma, kind of gave me a little PTSD to the seven and nine years. And hey, it makes sense. This year we ended up seven and 10. And we had a really weak defense early on in the year, just like we had those years where the Saints were two, three games out of the playoffs, finishing seven and nine years and years in a row yeah and what's interesting to me is that at that point when you're starting to struggle and we're just kind of going through roughly here but you lose to tampa you lose to the panthers you lose that weird london game to the vikings and that's the game i want to start kind of pivoting on here because that's where andy dalton takes over and makes his first start Um, that's against minnesota and Dalton plays fine, uh, certainly didn't do anything poorly, but you didn't win that game. That was one of the long list of games you probably should have won this season. And then Andy Dalton takes over, which, of course, at the time we felt like was the right decision. Jameis was clearly hurt. You needed to sit him down and kind of let him get healthy for a little bit. And then you win a weird shootout against Seattle where you put up 39 points. You lose another game that you probably shouldn't have lost to the Cincinnati Bengals, a game that you kind of gave away at home, but the offense, again, looked pretty productive. And then that weird Thursday night game in which Andy Dalton throws two pick sixes, but the Saints offense puts up 34 points. And that's the point in the season, too, where Dennis Allen's kind of saying, no, I don't think it's really on the offense. I think Andy Dalton's been fine. Um, But you're sitting there with a poor record of two and five. But at that point, there was this weird thing where the offense was putting up numbers, but we kind of kept sitting here going, yeah, but they're not that good. It's just weird circumstances that they're scoring. Like, this offense isn't great. And then that's the point in the season, and I'll let you talk a little bit about what you thought about that point before here, before I move on. But that's kind of was a turning point in the season for me, is that stretch where the offense was putting up points but didn't feel like they were fully cohesive, and you kind of just kept sticking with Andy Dalton. Well, look, that that stretch, and I mentioned it, you know, like you brought up in, in the middle of the season where that stretch happened, that was, to me, empty calories. It's empty calories. It's, you know, the offense is putting up points, but it's not contributing to a win. Like you brought up, I mean, the Saints put up 30-plus points against the Cardinals, but it was still a double-digit loss. I mean, the game was out of reach by the time the offense started to do anything, and that can be attributed to, you know, softer defenses, you know, just trying to kind of burn the clock at that point and run the game out. But, yeah, I mean, the offense, I don't think there was any point this year except for probably the Seattle game that they actually looked good. And the Seattle game was, you know, that was a victory a la Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill put that team on his back that week. I mean, over 100 rushing yards, three-plus touchdowns. It was, it was all Hill. So I don't think there's any point of this year where I actually felt good about the Saints offense. I would agree with that. And so the the interesting thing is after that weird Cardinals game, the Saints had their best game of the season where they shut out the Vegas Raiders 24 to nothing. And I think that was this point in the season where we thought maybe here we go, you know, this can put something together. Now the offense wasn't particularly dominant in that game. The defense was really what kind of held its own. So after that, you really struggled. That's when you go 27 to 13 loss to the Ravens and a 20 to 10 loss to the Steelers. Probably your two most disappointing offensive performances of the season. Um, and that just kind of set the tone for the second half where the offense was just couldn't really get out of its own way. Um, but then the defense kind of started to turn things around. The biggest turning point, I think, in your in the second half of your season, when you started to try to put some momentum together, 
has got to be the Buccaneers loss. And that's kind of the most, probably the most disappointing loss for me in a very long time. Um, the Saints, of course, we remember it. They dominated that football game. I mean, absolutely shut down Tom Brady and the Bucks offense. It was not close early on. Now the Saints settle for field goals when they shouldn't have. It should have never even been as close as it was when it was 16-3. to But, of course, it's 16-3 to with three minutes left, and you give up back-to-back touchdowns. There's a crazy play where Mark Ingram goes out of bounds. I mean, there's just a lot of things that go wrong for you there, but – um, that was gut wrenching, and you know, to sit here this week and see that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to have a home playoff game against Dallas, um, that one hurts because obviously, if you win that one, you win the division, you win the head to head, or excuse me, you win the tiebreaker. Um, you would have then, I guess, had to have won Week 17, but you're going to play that out a little bit differently if you have a chance to win the division. So um, that was tough, and. That's where a lot of my concerns with this coaching staff and with Dennis Allen moving forward come from was was games like that. Um, but I just want to know, you know, what what was your thought on that? Do you have anything different there? Because it's just for me, that's just a sore spot in um, not just this year. It's one of the toughest losses I've had to sit through in a very long time. No, no, not at all. I mean, I can't. It's hard to differ from that because I feel like that game, like like you said, I mean, it set the tone for the rest of the year. It. It sent shockwaves, I think, through that whole organization where it was like, okay, this is where they all kind of finally realized, hey, we're not, this team isn't going to do anything. And it really, it hurt to see because it felt like, hey, this might be the final nail in the coffin. Like the team didn't have any heart after that. And that may just be my opinion, but watching them play after that game, I saw just lack of emotion, lack of heart, lack of fire. I couldn't see that team coming back from that. And I hate, you know, that Mark Ingram is kind of the scapegoat of that game. Don't get me wrong. He should have fallen forward for another yard. I think everyone can agree on that. But why is he in the game? He's hurt. And that leads directly back to the coaching staff. I mean, which now all Saints Nation, you know, sees the questions, you know, and the concerns that, you know, we had early on. It's all come to light. So, that's where we are. That's why we are where we are right now. Yeah, but it's funny, too, because you say where you were, you know, giving your perspective after that, seeing that you felt like the team had no fight. But the team did kind of bounce back after that, which was strange to me. Um, they fought back and they won a tough game against Atlanta. Um, they went on the road in ridiculous conditions and beat the Browns in a game that they definitely had some chances to lay down early once they fell behind. And then they went out on the road and beat the, one of the best teams in the league, albeit without Jalen Hurts. I think that's a big caveat there. But you beat the Eagles to give yourself a chance. Unfortunately, things don't go your way. But the defense really surged uh, through the last month of the season and at least gave you a chance. So I think that's something, um, if you're going to take something from this season, that group that we thought was going to be so great, um, and you take a look at it, I mean, the points allowed after the Rams game, which you know was only 20 points, you did not give up. And he, you never gave up 20 points again. I mean, and that's that's the elite type of defense that we wanted. And you you got to see it in the second half. So if anything, that's what you can maybe take moving into the offseason. Yeah, I mean, if there's anything to hold, you know, our hat on, it's the defense. They, they came alive. It would have been nice to see that early on in the season. But, you know, the old saying is, you know, defense wins championships. But I, I can't agree with that at this point with the way the league is, you know, playing right now, it's, we need some offense and don't get me wrong. The defense 
is great. We need them to continue playing like that next year, hopefully, you know, maybe add some young pieces in the draft or whatnot, but with the way the league's going right now, you have to be able to put up points. I mean, you see teams like Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Philadelphia. There's a reason they're some of the best teams in the league right now. They have great offenses. And the Saints team is very far from it at this point. Yep. And to kind of uh, emphasize that, the Saints finished the season with a 10-7 loss to Carolina and just an awful performance offensively. But that kind of wraps Terrible. things up for the season. Um, you you start off with a good win. You struggle early. You never really find a rhythm until the last month of the season when it was too little too late. So that's where the Saints land, 7-10. and 10, First double-digit losing season since the Jim Hazlitt era of the New Orleans Saints. So that is something to forget about for sure. We wanted to try to find some silver linings, though, Mason. So we were brainstorming back and forth this week. How can we kind of take some things and, and make them positive, move forward into the offseason with some sort of, you know, good feeling? And so we came up with the Dome Zone Awards, um, and we had it over on Twitter earlier, so people had a chance to vote and kind of give their opinions on some of the uh, bright spots for the Saints this year. So uh, let's go through these. We had uh, the ones we did were breakout player, um, offensive and defensive MVP, and then the best acquisition, taking a look. So before I get this going – Mason, for you, you know, uh, who is your overall Saints team MVP of this season? I think overall Saints MVP of this season, it's got to be Taysom Hill. I think, you know, just the, when he came in, the offense just surged. It looked a lot better. I think he gave a lot of – he lit a fire under a lot of guys because he, he plays with intensity, and he's a vicious runner, and I think that just really hypes up a team. And, you know, I know from a stat point – Sure, he didn't put up, you know, gaudy numbers, but I'm going to go with Hill. I think he really, you know, proved himself this year. I think he played great, and I think he, you know, showed himself as a real team captain. I like the pick, too, and, and one of those things where it's like, think about where this offense, as bad as they were, think about where they would have been without him. I mean, you mentioned it. The Seattle game would certainly have been a loss. Um, you know, I mean, he kept you in games, his ability to run the ball. You didn't have a second running back, so it kind of became Taysom. I can't really argue with it there, but let's go in and see how the voting turned out. So we'll start off with uh, the Offensive MVP Award. The finalists were Chris Olave, Taysom Hill, and Juwan Johnson. It's just kind of sad that the third finalist for this award had to be a tight end who had a good season for sure, but like was nowhere near putting up huge numbers. But that's just kind of how this offense was. You didn't have much, and Juwan Johnson becomes your third best offensive player in a way. Uh, Chris Olave wins it with 53% of the vote. I was with you, actually. I voted Taysom Hill for this one. But let's talk about the rookie, Chris Olave. He comes in. The Saints receiving core, of course, had been decimated over the past few seasons. They needed some life. They needed a spark in that room. And they bring in a rookie from Ohio State who has all the talent in the world. And he really delivered. So on the season, 72 catches for 1,042 yards. Only four receiving touchdowns for Olave. But there weren't a whole lot of receiving touchdowns to go around on this team. So... Um, this guy is the future of your organization at the wide receiver position, along with a little bit of help from a guy we'll talk about a little bit later. But um, I thought Olave was great. And I think, look, there's certainly some limitations physically. Uh, his stature is not the biggest, but he runs incredible routes. He is supremely talented. And I think he's a guy that the Saints are going to need and rely on for a very long time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we all had expectations for Olave coming into this year. And I remember being just ecstatic when the Saints drafted him. 
you know, he was on my board for the longest. And, you, you know, with the Saints drafting-wise the past couple of years, it's been kind of rough and a little sketchy, to say the least. And normally people that, you know, Saints Nation kind of preach for and hope to get, we don't. So, you know, when Alave was drafted, it was definitely a great moment for this team in general. So, but I mean, he's as real of a deal as it gets. I mean, he came in and contributed and produced immediately. A lot of people were concerned about his play translating to the NFL because of his size. But Olave, he's a technician. He's a silky smooth route runner, and he's got great hands. So he's going to have a very productive career, and this most likely will not be the last offensive MVP he wins for the Saints team. Yeah, I would imagine it won't be. I imagine it won't be. On the defensive side, the side of the ball that played so much better down the stretch, the finalists were Pete Werner, Caden Ellis, and Cam Jordan. Um, Caden Ellis, a guy, a young player again, who kind of emerged this season, and it was great to see. But Pete Werner really had a coming-out party, and he wins the defensive MVP with 47% of the vote. Cam Jordan was second with 32%, and Caden Ellis with 21%. Uh, Pete Werner was fantastic. Uh, there was a good, solid six- to eight-week stretch at the beginning of the season where I felt like he was playing at an all-pro level. I mean, not just a Pro Bowl level, like playing like the best or one of the very best linebackers in all football. Um, he was all over the field, and I think that's something, again, you talked about some of the recent draft classes where maybe some guys haven't worked out. Um, Pete Werner certainly has, and I thought he took so many steps in his development. You know, look, Demario Davis has been rock solid for this team for a very long time, but he's obviously coming up on the end. Whether or not he's got a couple years left in him, certainly that's maybe the case, but at some point um, you're going to need to move on and have a new number one guy, and I think Pete Werner showed you this year that he is certainly capable of doing that. Oh, yeah. Pete Werner, I remember, you know, for a good stretch, like you brought up. I mean, we were talking about Werner as a top five linebacker in this league. I mean, every other play, we would hear his name called. And it's a shame that, you know, the injury bug bit him this year because he missed over a month of football. But, I mean, he was on pace for nearly 100 solo tackles this year. You know, two forced fumbles he ends with. And those are decent stats, especially when you think about missing an entire month of football. So, you know, Werner played great. Um, really excited about Caden Ellis as well, though. I mean, he he really came alive at the end of this season. And a, a position that we were relatively scared of preseason has really turned into a strength of this team. How about seven sacks for Caden Ellis, second only behind Cam Jordan on this team, a guy who came in and did a variety of things for you as well. You mentioned, of course, when Werner was out, Ellis was stepping into that role. But even when Werner was playing, Ellis was moving around and making plays for you. So he's certainly a guy um, that hopefully you have found and can keep around for a while. The next one is we're going to do best acquisition next because I want to get it out of the way. Uh, we threw this on there just for the heck of it. Uh, the bottom line is the Saints didn't do a great job acquiring players this offseason. If you want to count the draft, which we did not, obviously you would consider Chris Olave, but... Um, you know, we have three signings that we mainly mentioned, Tyron Matthew, Jarvis Landry, and Andy Dalton. We didn't mention Marcus May in there, I guess, just because of how many games he missed. But then again, Jarvis missed that many games as well. So uh, 74% of the vote, Tyron Matthew, I kind of thought he would get 100%. Andy Dalton does get a few votes there um, that equal to 26%. Jarvis Landry did not get a vote. Um, and let's talk about the season Tyron Matthew had for a little bit here. He ends up with 91 tackles, actually a career high, I believe. And had a sack, had a forced fumble. He actually ends up with three interceptions. So 
he ended up putting it together. And I think certainly that last month of the season when the defense was firing on all cylinders, Tyron Matthews play increased and he really played well, but there was certainly a stretch at the beginning of the season where it didn't look like it was going to work out and he was really struggling. So what do you think overall of the first year of the Tyron Matthew experience here in New Orleans? Well, I just, I got to start off with this note. If there was any, you know, question about these choices for best acquisition, if it were truly up to me, there would only be one name up there and it would be Tyron Matthew because Andy Dalton should not have been even considered. Can't believe he got votes. I'm a little shocked. I hope that was a joke by some of our listeners, but you know, Tyron Matthew, he had a quietly good season. You know, you brought up, he played kind of poor early on in the year, but I mean, this last stretch of the year, he's really put it together. He's looked great. He's looked like the honey badger of the past that we all know, watched play and perform at a high level. And he played, he was playing recently like what we expected him to play like all year. This is the Tyron Matthew that we wanted to see all season long. So I'm glad that he's performing well now. I would much rather it be this way than performing well at the beginning of the year and then kind of teetering off a cliff. I like going into an offseason for a player, you know, with some momentum. Bring that in, carry that over to next year. So I, I think he had a quietly good year. It wasn't amazing, but he did what he needed to do at the end of the year. That's fair. That's fair. And this last one's actually the one I was most excited about because you had a few different options here. That's the breakout player of the year uh, for the saints. Four options, Chris Olave, Pete Werner, Caden Ellis, and Rashid Shahid. And of course the award goes to our main man, Rashid Shahid, who gets 57% of the vote. Olave and Ellis tie for second with 20%. A little surprised Pete Werner only gets 3% because I felt like it was a true breakout season. I guess some of the logic there is maybe having higher expectations going in for Werner. Certainly that's the case for Olave. But um, Rashid Shahid is uh, a guy who came out of nowhere for the Saints. When you were really decimated at receiver, of course, that seems to be a common theme for this Saints team. They find a way to uh, lose their pass catchers. Shahid stepped up. We didn't really know much about him. He's played some special teams, and then he got in the mix at the receiver spot, had some huge plays early on. We kept begging for him to get involved in the offense more. That eventually happened. And by the end of the season, he was your clear-cut second-best receiver behind Olave who of the guys who was actually playing. And I think we both agree he has a spot on this team moving forward. Um, Deontay Hardy, of course, missed pretty much the whole season with injury. I'm not sure we're going to see him again. And if we do, I'm not sure the role he's going to have because Rashid Shahid kind of came in and and took that over. And he's going to be uh, a part of the plans moving forward, I would have to imagine. Yeah, you know, I just want to start this off with the Hardy conversation. I think he's played his last days in a Saints jersey, but... If given the opportunity, I would love to trade Deontay Hardy for Deontay Harris. Would love to have that guy back because he was great. He was a stud. But, man, Shahid, he was lights out when he got the opportunity to get the ball in his hands. I mean, he ends up finishing the year. The stat line wasn't amazing, but, you know, he didn't get involved late. So, you know, he finishes 28 receptions, 488 yards, and two touchdowns. But the thing that pops out to me, and I'm sure you've seen this stat as well, 17.4 yards a catch second in the league exactly every time he gets yeah i mean every time this guy gets the ball it's it's he produces so he's great he's a great deep threat and i hope this offensive staff can you know put something together next year and get him used more because he needs to be utilized 
And, you know, maybe we have our own poor man's Tyreek Hill kind of deep threat type thing on the team. You know, it's hard to compare someone to that guy. But, you know, Shahid's got the speed. He's that guy. Yeah, and how about also four carries for 57 yards and another touchdown. So over 14 yards a carry when he was given the ball in that way. Yeah, he's a home run hitter. Um, but he kind of showed you, too. He can hit a little sing-eye single or double off the wall every now and again as well. He doesn't have to just be a down-the-field guy. He can do it in a variety of ways. So I think he's got a future. Yeah, and Hardy, you know, look, it's tough, and I think the injury certainly played a role. So you would hope that maybe he's able to get back. Even if he doesn't succeed here, I'd like to see him succeed elsewhere because I love his story. And, um, you know, he certainly has uh, some special talent when when everything's all put together. But that's going to wrap Absolutely. up the awards, you know, had some fun doing that, kind of taking a look. And there you go. You've got some guys to look forward to. Um, all the guys here that won these awards should hopefully be back next season for the Saints and should be big factors. So I think that's something that we can take a look at. I want to turn the page now, Mason. The last thing we're going to do is talk about some offseason storylines. Take a look. Of course, the Saints have a lot to do. Um, they have a lot to get done. They have some changes to be made. Um, we certainly wondered if maybe they would make a coaching change. We kind of figured they wouldn't, and it doesn't appear that they're going to. As of now, it looks like Andy, uh, excuse me, not Andy Dalton, Dennis Allen is going to be the guy. Um, I'll start with the uh, the most glaring and obvious. Who uh, who takes the first snap under center next year for the Saints? Who you got? That I'm going to be honest with you. It's an unknown for me right now. I, this is one point where – I really have no idea who is going to be playing under center week one next year. I mean, you've got Andy Dalton and Jameis who are both going to be free agents, you know, unless you decide to promote Taysom to quarterback one, that's a thing. But there's so many unknowns going into this off season. And that kind of leads me into my next point about Sean Payton. What kind of draft value are we going to get? You know, the rumors are heating up with him. Could we get extreme draft compensation for him, which could lead to our new quarterback one next year? That's that's kind of where I stand with that because it's really it's an unknown. It I have no idea where this team is going to go in that direction. Yeah, and I think the Sean Payton stuff in a way, the rest of the Saints offseason is not really going to be set in place until you find out what happens there um, because – are you going to have a first-round pick? I would certainly hope so. Um, I think that's your goal, is to get a first-round pick out of him. Um, do you pick up anything else in the deal? We'll see later on. But I think you have to start with a first-rounder, preferably a you know mid-to-early-round first-rounder. We'll see. Um, but I think from there, you can kind of go. Now, if you get a first-round pick, all of a sudden you start to look back at this draft class and say, well, wait a minute, now we can take a look at some of these guys. Um, you know, the Bryce Youngs, the Will Levises of the world. Uh, personally, I'm not a huge fan of the guys in this quarterback draft class, although I, I'm not a huge fan of the guys who are going to be available in other ways either. Um, my guess, if I had to take a guess right now, it would be a wild guess, but it would be Derek Carr. Um, I think Derek Carr makes a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons. I think the Saints, given where the defense is, still would like to try to figure out a way to do something within this quote-unquote window where your defense is still at the level that it's at. Um, I think you have a decent core of pass catchers now with Shahid emerging and Olave there. Maybe Mike Thomas comes back. We'll see. Uh, that'll be another conversation to have. Um, but overall, yeah, I think this the Sean Payton domino is something that kind of sets the offseason in motion. And I guess we'll see after that. We'll see what happens. Um, Sean Payton. And the other thing for me that's really interesting is where is he going to go? Because 
Arizona seems to be interested. Denver seems to be interested. Maybe the Colts get in the mix, but I, I just don't know. I don't know what, and I, and I've heard when Sean Payton's talked about the things he values, he certainly wants an organization with a lot of structure. Um, and he wants to probably have some control in the general manager decisions, but overall, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be really interesting. Let's kind of move on there, but still kind of talk about something I hinted at there. Michael Thomas, um, of course, he agreed to a kind of a restructured deal last week that came out. Um, it kind of sets the stage for the Saints to be able to make their decision. I don't know if it gives you an inkling one way or the other if he's coming back or not, but um, do you think Michael Thomas has played his final snap in the black and gold? Yeah, it, it's it's a shame that it has to go down this way. And we had such high hopes for him this season, especially he started off the season so great against Atlanta. I think Michael Thomas has indeed played his final game for the New Orleans Saints. You know, that they just re- agreed to restructuring his contract. It was a mutual restructure. And I think that's both sides basically saying it's time to move on. I think Thomas wants to go somewhere fresh. And I think, you know, it's going to help the Saints in the long run with a cap space issue. But it's gonna be it's gonna be sad to see him play in a different jersey. He had a great you know career as a Saint. I mean, if he, if he continued on that path, he was gonna be a Hall of Famer guaranteed. So it, it's sad to see it in this way. But I think Michael Thomas has indeed played his final snaps in New Orleans. It's certainly a possibility. I have hope that he comes back. Um, one reason I think he might is just because I don't know what the market is for him elsewhere now. I think, of course, there was a time when he would have been one of the most highly regarded and desirable wide receiver options for any team in contention. But now, just given the question marks, I don't know if that's the case anymore. I'd be interested to see how many teams would be interested and how something like that would take place. But I will say this. It would be he, he does have a nice fit in this offense. He does he really fits in because you, when you take a look at what they've done with Olave now being that really good deep ball threat, Shahid in a similar way, and some of the things he's able to do in the slot, that big bodied outside physical receiver that Thomas was kind of is one of your biggest needs now. So if he doesn't come back, you gotta find somebody who can fill that role. So I'll be interested to see what the Saints do um at that spot. Let's talk about where this roster, other, we know quarterback, we've kind of discussed it a little bit. We're going to see where they go there. Uh, what's the other position group that you think this team needs to really improve on, whether it be the draft, free agency, or, or, or something else to uh, to really be back in contention? Well, I think you got to take a look at the running back room. The running back room, we got to get younger. Mark Ingram's at the tail end of his career if this isn't already the end. Alvin Kamara's aging, and, you know, unfortunately, running backs don't get younger in this league, and they seem to, you know, kind of see the wear and tear affect them quicker than other positions. And it's unfortunate, but there's a lot of stud running backs that I like coming out of college right now, and I think the draft is loaded, absolutely loaded with running back talent. So I think that's got to be the first group you look at because we need something. The running game was weak this year, and you can't run Taysom Hill every play because if you lose him, you lose a huge factor of your offense. So got to get younger. I would agree. I would agree. The the, the second spot, if I was going to go somewhere else, I would just say the offensive line continues to be um, a, something that needs to be shored up. I think you, you have some real pieces there. Trevor Penning. Um, looks like he's going to be a good player in this league. I don't know how long it's going to be before he's fully developed, but I think he's got some real potential. Um, there's a lot of question marks health wise. Of course you had Aaron Andrews, Pete and Eric McCoy and all these guys go down. 
So it's interesting to see who's going to be back and and how you're going to manage that. But I think the offensive line has to improve a little bit. Um, so, and that's of course part of the running game issue was the offensive line, but definitely need to improve at the running back spot. I agree with that. I will be interested to see if Eno Benjamin becomes a uh, a player who can give you something, or if that was just kind of a you know take a flyer on him for a few weeks and you'll move on. We will see, but. Yeah, overall, uh, running backs, it's got to get better. And the other thing is you have to get to the point where Alvin Kamara can can be comfortable in his role and is not being overutilized. Um, I think that was just – it was just obvious at points this season that the Saints had no help there and they were forced to use Kamara in some ways they didn't want to. I think it's something that's that's got to improve overall. So as we're, as we're closing down here um, – we we would both agree probably that Dennis Allen will be back at this point, um, you know, unless something wild happens here. But uh, where do you think this coaching staff makes a big change, if any? I, it, as much as it hurts to say, I don't see this coaching staff making any kind of changes. I think Dennis Allen's going to come back again next year. I think Pete Carmichael is going to be calling plays again. I think if there are any potential changes, I think Carmichael's out. But – you know, it's one of those things that's kind of an unknown. I, I just can't see, you know, Gail Benson has never been big on just cutting a coach after a year. You know, obviously you had Van Gundy with the Pelicans. We're going to go off on a tangent there with basketball. But, you know, she made the call then and there. But I, I can't see her doing it with Dennis Allen. He's been a part of this team for too long. And as much as I think, hey, Dennis Allen doesn't have what it takes to get us to the postseason – I think he's going to be back coaching again next year. So we'll see. But if, if he does anything like he did this year, I, I don't know what we're going to do. But on a positive, I'll give him this. The guys played hard for him at the end of the year. They definitely showed some heart and some fight for him. And especially after that Browns game, it was a great locker room scene. You know, everyone was hyped up. And Dennis Allen seemed like he had, finally had the guy's attention in the locker room. Yeah, I would agree. I I will say this. I don't know if Pete Carmichael will be calling plays. I don't know if you're necessarily going to fire him, but I think maybe reassigning him um, back to a role he's more comfortable in would be better and bringing someone in. I think the quarterback position might really affect who you bring in at the at the uh, offense coordinator spot, and I think it should because I think if a guy like Derek Carr comes in, you want him to come in with somebody he's comfortable with and somebody that can build an offense around him. So, um, of course, it, there's a good chance it's not Carr and whoever it may be. Um, if you're bringing in someone else, if you find a way to bring in a different veteran quarterback, maybe maybe think about the coordinator position as well. Um, the last thing I want to leave you with, Mason, as we head into the offseason, we will maybe have a couple offseason episodes scattered around if any big news drops. But um, the Saints will make the 2023 playoffs if, and finish that statement for me. The Saints will make the playoffs next year if we can get some solid quarterback play and the defense plays up to their standards and they play up to par. That's all that needs to be said. That's all they need to do. If we get decent quarterback play and the defense plays like we know they should, the Saints will be a postseason contender. I would agree. Um, I would extend that out a little bit to say um, if the offense as a whole is more cohesive because I think – I wouldn't say you got decent quarterback play, but you got like replacement level quarterback play with Andy Dalton and it wasn't enough to put up points. So I think maybe you need either a little bit better play at quarterback or the guys around him need to be better. The play calling needs to be better. 
um, overall. Yeah, I'm not as concerned for the defense. And I think, look, it certainly took them some time to get it going this year, but I have confidence that that group's going to be back. Dennis Allen is a defensive mind. And I think as the year went on and maybe he had a little bit more influence in that room, those guys got better. And so I hope that they will be back to the way they played in the last month. And I think that there's a good chance that they will. So with that being said, it's been a fun one all year, Mason. We have, uh, we've been through uh, the ups and the downs, more downs than ups, but hopefully next season gets a little bit better. We will maybe check in a couple of times throughout the off season, as I mentioned, just kind of depending on uh, if anything big happens, maybe around the draft, things like that. But uh, it's been a blast all year. Yeah, man, it's been a pleasure being on here with you. And, you know, we, we kick this off and I uh, see hopefully a long future of the Dome Zone. But to end it off, I'll just say it, man, it's been real. It's been fun, but this season was not real fun. So definitely looking forward to the off season and to September. Yep, that's for sure. All right, we'll see you all next time.